Hey, Advisorist Nation, you're listening to the Advisorist Podcast, the most loved podcast for insurance and financial advisors worldwide that want to grow faster, increase commissions, and build a lifestyle you love. London to New York, Montreal to Munich, Austin to Australia. Shut down distractions, get focused, grab your notepad. It's time for Advisorist. Let's do this. Hi, this is Jeremiah Demery, founder of Advisorist, and it gives me great pleasure and really it's an incredible honor to introduce to you one of the hosts of the Advisorist podcast, Michael Levin. Michael is not only a personal friend, but he's one of the most established ghostwriters in the nation and a New York Times best-selling author who's written, co-written, or ghostwritten over 550 books, hundreds of them in the financial services arena, of which 18 are national bestsellers. There's, you would be hard-pressed to find somebody that hasn't been in more outlets than Michael. He's been on Shark Tank, the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, Forbes, Politico, the LA Times, the Boston Globe, Writer's Digest, CBS News. I mean, the guy has even had his work optioned and made for film by Steven Soderbergh of Paramount, HBO, Disney, ABC, Frank Perry, and so many more. He ghostwrote for some of the biggest names in sports and business, including Dave Winfield, Pat Summerall, Howard Bragman, former Schwab CEO David Potrick, marketing legend Jay Abraham, NBA star Doug Christie, and the list goes on and on and on. And as the host of All Eyes on You, Michael will bring his unique blend of insights and wisdom as it relates to using books to get to the level of your dreams that you've always desired. They are one of the most powerful introduction tools that financial advisors and insurance agents can use today. I know when I got my book written, oh my, did the doors open up. And so that's why I'm so excited to have Michael hosting All Eyes on You as part of the Advisorist Network. Michael, take it away, my friend. Hey, it's Michael, and I'm glad you are here today. I'm very excited to introduce Jane Atkinson, who's going to tell us a lot about how you get to accomplish something that a lot of folks dream about doing, which is getting paid to speak, or even if you're not getting paid, just up there and speaking in front of an audience of people who can say, I found the right person. That's pretty valuable, too. I'll tell you a little bit about Jane's background. She is the author of four books, including the bestseller, The Wealthy Speaker 2.0, as well as the epic keynote, and The Wealthy Speaker Daily Success Planner and Journal. She's been, for a very long time, let's just say over a decade, one of the top business managers for speakers who include best-selling authors, celebrities, and all kinds of folks who are highly desirable to audiences. So she knows of which she speaks. And she worked for a Texas Speakers Bureau for six years before she went on to found the Wealthy Speaker University. The Wealthy Speaker University, kids, which provides online courses, group coaching, and live events for all levels of speakers. She has the Wealthy Speaker Podcast. She's a frequent podcast guest, and I'm lucky that she said yes to ours. She is called the Speaker Launcher. So, Jane, thank you and welcome. Oh, thank you, Michael, for having me. I'm so excited to be here. It's my pleasure and honor. So let's get right to it. What are the benefits of becoming a speaker? Why should somebody think about that? 
Well, I think if you were to start with the money and then move down from there, there are a lot of people in my world who are earning really good sums of money for, let's say, an hour-long keynote speech. We have speakers who are starting out in their journeys, getting $2,500, then they move to $5,000, and on up from there to about, in my world where it stops, is about $30,000 per speech. So I guess that would be a good starting place. That would be a good motivator. But for people who want to use speaking to build their businesses, I think it's the idea of rather than having that one-on-one coffee conversation, you stand in front of 500 people and now you're having a richer, deeper conversation with a lot of people who may then want to use your services. You know, it sounds like an impossible dream to be speaking to 500 people of whom many are qualified prospects. Is it really doable for most people? That is the dream. So let's say that you are a speaker who wants to get in front of insurance or financial planners or something like that. You know, there's always the coveted place. You know, the million-dollar roundtable is the place to achieve in order to be in front of all of your buyers. And then if you get the million-dollar roundtable, then you get access to a lot of people who are in under that kind of financial services umbrella. So, yeah, there's always an association that holds a lot of the people that you would like to get in front of. And there's associations for everything. There's a blind retailers association. So if blind retailers are your target market, there's even a place for that. So, yeah, I do believe that it's possible. Who speaks to the blind retailers and about what? I, I just stumbled across that group years ago looking through the association book, and I thought, really? How many of these people could there be? But apparently there is a group, and they do gather. <laughs> it's a big world. So It's a big world. So how does a person just using self-help get started finding an appropriate venue? Whom do you ask? How do you present yourself? What's the process for getting your foot in the door? Well, let me start at the beginning of the process. I have a process called Ready, Aim, Fire. And your question is really a fire question. So let me walk you through that whole process just to make sure we lay the groundwork first. In the ready stage, we get crystal clear on the value that we're bringing to the table, on what it is that we're selling, and we might develop some marketing language around that. We call that a promise statement. And then once you kind of know who is your target audience and what you're bringing to the table, then we move into AIM. And in the AIM section, we create a website that really allows, or at least a page on our existing site that allows people to say, okay, this person does this for a living and they're legit. And so we develop out the website. Some people are going to do a big speaking website. Some people are just going to put a page on their existing website. And then and only then do we fire it out to our target markets. And as we talked about earlier, the best place to start is really with the associations that house all of the people that you want because then you're really leveraging your time. The other thing is that corporate work, Fortune 100 work, is really the most lucrative but in order to get in front of those people, we often will start with associations because 
just going into a company cold and saying, I'd like to speak. There are a lot of different avenues that you can go in and it's very difficult to find out when a company is having any meetings. They don't advertise that like an association would. So we will often start at associations. An example, Kendra Hall, one of my clients, she's a storytelling expert and she wanted to get in front of audiences when she was first starting out. So she went to the American Marketing Association She did a few freebie events for those AMA chapters, and then they started to spin into corporate work. And by being seen by players in a lot of different companies all at the same time through those AMA chapters, that really worked out well for her. Now, I've already got some listeners, I'm sure, who are saying, I found the right person, and I want to get in touch with Jane, and I want to hire her. And I want to make clear that this is not specifically a promotional event for Jane Atkinson, but the reality is that folks are going to want to hear you, to hire you just based on what you've said so far. So we'll keep the discussion going, but how would they find you if they well, wanted to discuss you? They come, come over. We actually just launched our new website, and it's over at speakerlauncher.com. I'm not here to promote myself either, but a really good place to start is the Wealthy Speaker 2.0 book because it lays that whole ready, aim, fire process out for people. And some people will read the book and say, okay, I don't have the bandwidth to do that much work. I'm just going to pick and choose a few of these things and move forward. Or they say they don't want to do it at all, all, or they say I'm all in, and then they'll move to the next step with me. So that's really a good starting point. Okay, so let's walk folks through what the process would look like. Let's say we're talking about an insurance professional who sells long-term care insurance. It's a complicated, expensive product, and she wants to speak. And so in the ready stage, what would she be doing? So long, I would ask myself if her goal is to get in front of her prospects who might be buying long-term care insurance, Who have your customers been in the past and where do those people gather? Let's say she's had a lot of customers who have come to her who, you know, have a particular profession. Well, then she wants to try and go out and get in front of that profession. Let's say they're accountants. I don't know. I'm just pulling something out of the air because I don't know her market very well. Let's say they're accountants, then she would start going. You can start in your backyard with the local accountants associations and then work up. And what we sometimes find is the backyard is where the freebies are. You go out and speak to anyone who will listen kind of in your backyard. But then there's also a state accountants association and there's a national accountants association and the fees tend to go up with them. So let's say she said, okay, well, what I'm giving them is like massively valuable. I'm going to charge $5,000 for this. We might say, you know what? You're going to get 5K at the state level, but you may not get it locally. So maybe we just go after all 50 states to begin with or something like that. That's just an example. No, I like it. Let's keep going with it because I think this is very relatable. The listeners can plug in their own fields and their own specialties. Sure, sure. Let's say she identifies the local accounting group in her city or the capital of her state. Whom does she reach out to and what does she send them? Well, what's great about associations is they're going to have a lot of information right on their website. 
So at the state level, you can go right out to their website, you know, Wisconsin Accountants Association or Wisconsin Association of Accountants or whatever it might be. And you'll be able to see, oh, here's their annual meeting. They have keynote speakers at their meeting, I see, and you look at last year's and see what happened at last year's meeting. And then you see, okay, well, they have like keynotes every day. And then they have, it looks like about 50 breakout sessions. Those are like workshops where people can choose between one of five things. If you're, this is just kind of like a general rule of thumb. If your topic is very specific and not everybody will want to hear it, then you're probably a better fit for maybe those breakout sessions. And in that situation, they may or may not pay the speaker. You'll have to do some research and find out where they do pay. Some places do, some places don't. It's going to vary association to association. Now, she's going to want to have something to send them. And I would suggest that a website rather than something material like a PDF would be best because that kind of legitimizes you. So let's say she's not going to, you know, stop doing what she does and she already has a website built for her insurance business. Let's just add a tab to that website that says speaking or keynotes or workshops or something that actually allows the buyer to see, oh, okay, she does this. And then they click on it and then they'll see what their options are in terms and maybe she offers one or two talks on you know, the value of understanding this and and the outcomes of uh, what that value might be. So she sends the email off to the appropriate person at the association. Right. Saying, What's the protocol? How long do you wait before you follow up? What's the right way to do it? Well, I think you probably do it the same way as you would do in any sales situation. You know, you would have your process. Okay, so first email goes out. Maybe you might follow it up with a phone call. Hey, just check in to see, you know, I sent you some information about this. And it's nice for them to hear your voice, even if it is in a voicemail message. Some people will do like after hours voicemails because they know it's impossible to get people on email. So they'll say, you know, I'm going to shoot you over a quick email at the same time so that you can just respond very easily. We want to make it super simple for people to respond to us. And that's why in our email, we'll just ask one question at the end, which is, would this topic be of value to your audience? And then they can respond with a yes, no, maybe, you know, not right now, whatever it might be. But we want to make it really easy for them to just say yay or nay. And I like the idea of them kind of seeing you in lots of different places. So maybe you connect with them on LinkedIn. Maybe you leave them a voicemail. Maybe you send them an email. And then you have a process where a week to 10 days later, you send them another one. And then maybe there's the final one that says, I don't want to bug you. So just FYI, I'm going to let this go here's the link if you'd like to keep it on file or something like that. You know, we kind of have a process in sales and they say it's like eight or 10, but I personally would not communicate with somebody 10 times before I'd give up because we don't know that they're warm. We haven't moved them from cold to warm yet. So that's why I'm saying if they don't express any interest whatsoever, then you just move on to the next thing. And we double down on the things that are working rather than try to fix the things that aren't. No, it's very smart. Three or four tries and then close the file and 
kind of thing and then look for another opportunity. Right. What's the success rate likely to be for somebody who's just starting out? How many places would they have to query before they would get their first engagement? You know, I think that really depends. And so one of the things that we talk about is what is your selling superpower? So if you're really good at working a room in networking, live networking, some people will go out to a networking event and come back with three warm leads, which turns into one booking. So in one of my clients, that happened. And I said, well, why aren't we doing more networking events? You know, let's double down on that. So she decided that she was going to put a series of those on her calendar every month. So look at, is it networking? Is it email? Is it phone? You know, everybody kind of has their own superpower. Is it LinkedIn? A lot of people will go about this differently. And so that's why the numbers are a little bit hard to say. But if you reach out to 10 people and get three warm leads from that, that's a really good ratio. I think anybody in sales will probably agree. And then if out of every three turns into one, 10 equals one is a really good ratio. I'm not saying that can happen, but I think that there has been some people who are putting up some good numbers. But I have another client, Ryan Estes, who's gone from zero to... I think he's approaching the $2 million mark in his speaking business now. And the first, you know, couple of years was just him sitting at his kitchen table, smiling and dialing because that's his superpower is telephone sales. So you'd really have to think about what you're, how you want to spend your time. And maybe some people might want to break it up. I wouldn't want to sit on the phone all day. Would you? Well, no, not if I'm running a, an insurance practice or exactly. A- So let's just talk about that. With folks who are just getting started, what do you suggest to them in terms of how much time should they budget for trying to get speaking engagements? I would say I have a client who has a full-time psychology practice, and I think she does 10 hours a week, and her goal was, was it 40? It was only like 10 Actually, it couldn't even have been 10 hours a week because she was only maybe doing 10 outreaches a week for 40 a month. And so, you know, and that's because she had a full-time thing going on. But she reached traction very, very quickly. And, Michael, I think the reason why this worked so well for her was because she caught onto a market that really seemed ripe for her. She She's a resilient speaker from kind of a mental health perspective and ended up having a market in physicians. So she stumbled across a market that was really hot for her topic. And I think that that's something that takes a little bit of exploring to do, and she just got lucky and happened to find hers fairly early on. But really, I'm pretty sure she was putting no more than 10 hours a week into her speaking business. So what I hear you saying is that you may not have an immediate sense of who your best audience is going to be. So you want to try a whole bunch of different possibilities and kind of let the market tell you. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, and we call that, I'm not lost, I'm exploring. (laughs) And and we don't want to think about it like throwing, you know, we don't want to be throwing spaghetti at the wall, but sometimes we do need to try on a few markets. So there is another idea that people might do is just offer themselves up for free 
you know, kind of speak anywhere they'll listen in the early stages. But I would recommend that you only do that locally. And those locals should then turn into spinoffs. That's the goal. So some people, there's one woman in Arizona who started her business with, I think, an audience. She decided to kind of run her own showcase. She said, okay, I'm going to launch my business. I'm going to put 200 people into a hotel room. I'm going to speak to them with the best stuff I have. Well, she attributed nearly her entire book of business over 30 years, about 80%, she said, stemmed back to the 200 people that were in those rooms. That's how powerful spinoff is, just like word of mouth in, the, in any sales industry you know, spinoff is really powerful. So let's say every freebie speaking engagement you do, you get two to three more speaking engagements. That's exactly what we want. And if you're not getting the two to three, then we sometimes have to look at the speech and say, okay, well, can it be better? Can we add more value somehow? How do we make this so that people really, really lean in and say, oh, I know people who need this. Now, when you talk about adding value, the person I was thinking of who does long-term care insurance, she recognized that really people don't really care about long-term care insurance. They don't want to think about it, but they sure as heck don't want to end up in a nursing home. So what she did was she tailored the book that we did for her and then all of her speaking, and she became Million Dollar Roundtable as a result of this, to giving talks on and then writing a book about how to keep yourself or loved ones from ending up in a nursing home. Because Beautiful. So it's really about how do you take what you've got and which is important to you and turn that into something that's going to be important to the audience. Is that correct? Yeah, so important. You're often not selling the thing that gets you there, the how. You're selling the what, which is the outcome. Okay, so I'll give you an example. I have a subtitle of my book, The Proven Formula for Building Your Successful Speaking Business, and that proven formula is the ready, aim, fire. But if I called my book Ready, Aim, Fire, rather than the wealthy speaker, people would not have been interested. So the same as how you name your speeches and how you figure out what you're offering, think about what the outcome is first and not necessarily the path and the how to getting there because that's not really what you're selling. I have a sleep specialist who is a client, and she's not selling sleep. She's selling productivity, what comes when you get a good night's sleep. So she has a huge market with shift workers and safety conferences and things like that because productivity and safety are all the outcomes of sleep. Yeah, really good point you brought up there. Okay, Jane, we just got one more minute. I just want to ask you this. A lot of times my clients say, can you get me signed up with a speaker's bureau? And mm -hmm. my sense is that speaker's bureaus are really not appropriate for folks who are not national figures, that they're going to specialize. Is that correct? That's really good advice because it's almost a double-edged sword in that they don't really want you until you don't really need them anymore. So if you have a best-selling book, then perhaps you've got a shot, but they're not typically in the business of launching speaking careers. They're more likely to be interested in you after 
They've heard about you from a couple of different clients. So really get out there and build your speaking business on your own first, and then we think that they'll show up afterwards. So what you're saying is that it's really about self-help in the beginning and do so in, a, in yes. an intelligent way as opposed to just sort of sitting there passively saying, well, you know, somebody's going to have what I have to say and then they'll do all the work. And that's just not I'm how waiting. It's yeah, I'm waiting for them to find me. You have to really go out and make your own opportunities. And what's so great, it sounds like a lot of your clients are people who are already really good at, A, running their business, and B, selling. And so if they already have those skills, that is a huge part of the puzzle here. Right, because, they, yeah, these folks know how to sell. It's just that they've never really thought of selling themselves in this manner. They've been selling their right. products or service. And yeah. now it's about selling them to the marketplace. Jane yep. Atchison, how can, thank you so much. How can, again, how can folks find you, learn more, and engage you? I would love for your listeners to come on over to speakerlauncher.com. And we have a very clear path for people who are just getting started and emerging speakers. But if people have a little bit of experience under their belt, there's also something there for you. So check out our three options and kind of come on over. We have tons and tons of free stuff and podcasts and blog posts and everything. So you can spend a lot of time there. Okay. Jane Atkinson, thank you for being here. And I want to thank everyone for listening. And we'll see you next week. Thank you. Hey, Advisors Nation, are you ready to take your insurance or financial services practice to the next level? And are you prepared to fill your calendar with high quality appointments and bring so many leads that you get to pick and choose with whom you're going to work with? If yes, then be sure to check out Advisorist, a premium members-only community of insurance and financial advisors who are striving to excellence. Inside this community, you'll learn the strategies and tactics that most successful service providers are using, and you'll be able to implement them and see results faster than you ever thought was possible. Get all of the details here at advisorist.com forward slash membership. That's advisorist.com forward slash membership advisorist.com forward slash membership. We'll see you inside. You could be larger.